and welcome to another episode of Gold Nuggets, our mini-series looking back on some of the Gold Team's highlights from Season 2 of the podcast. This week, I'll be taking a look back to Episode 11, in which we spoke to Lawrence Woolard, founder and director at On The Pulse Consultancy, about his personal journey as a patient advocate in the haemophilia space. His company is an independent strategic consultancy providing specialist insights on patient activation campaigns in haemophilia and rare diseases. Lawrence has extensive patient advocacy experience and he shared with us some of his fascinating insights, knowledge and opinions that farmers should keep in mind. So let's get straight into it. Our first clip from the episode shed some light on Lawrence's personal experience as someone living with a rare disease. We were really keen to ask him about the evolution of his journey from diagnosis with haemophilia through to being a key player in the patient advocacy space. It was really through like a, an iterative process of, of, you know, sort of heightening my own self-awareness um, and, and critical consciousness, you could say. Um, that I developed this kind of strong sense of personal agency and, and social injustice, actually, and in how the, the state values the lives of, of my peers and I affected by long-term conditions, um, you know, which I've really tried to channel into positive action. Um, having initially volunteered with the National Haemophilia Patient Group here in the UK and, and the patient network at my clinical centre, um, I ended up moving to Brussels um, in 2016 to, to work for an umbrella patient advocacy organisation called the European Patients Forum or, or EPF, where I delivered an awareness raising initiative on stigma and discrimination faced by young people living with long term conditions entering employment. So this was my you know, first taste of engaging with and influencing policymakers right in the heart of European politics. Then in 2017, I um, launched my independent consultancy on the pulse. Um, so we partner with public and commercial healthcare organisations at national and global levels to improve patient access to culturally responsive educational programmes in rare disease. Through that, I've, I've been fortunate to publish several thought leadership articles and journal manuscripts on the theory and practice of engaging patients in their own care, um, challenging the status quo and, and making evidence-informed treatment choices as part of a patient-centred model of practice. Those patient-centred models Lawrence mentioned there have been key in the industry's strides towards greater patient centricity, but I think there are still some steps that pharma just isn't landing. And in this next clip, Lawrence gives his perspective on the knowledge gap he perceives between people living with rare diseases and the pharmaceutical industry. Hmm. Really over the past five years or so that the haemophilia community, or at least those individuals where developed healthcare systems exist, um, has witnessed, you know, this, this raft of new era products. Um, and this progress looks set to continue with the anticipated approval of the first gene therapies for haemophilia this year. So whilst these newer treatment strategies are and have the potential of transforming outcomes, you know, offering my peers and I greater protection from bleeding combined with, like I just said, you know, this reduction in treatment burden, I think paradoxically the speed of innovation is leading or has led to a widening gap in patients' treatment knowledge and comprehension. 
And that, you know, potentially threatens individuals' autonomy, thus their dignity, and inhibits their decision-making capacity when encountering preference-sensitive treatment choices. You know, for the patient being asked, uh, you know, do you have any questions in respect of their care? It's, it's totally meaningless if they haven't been exposed you know, what I would say haven't been exposed to age and developmentally appropriate educational opportunities to cultivate that level of self-confidence and help develop the skills required to formulate and make an informed response. And critical to this is investment in health promotion activities that help develop patients' health and digital literacy skills for them to seek out, comprehend and use reliable and evidence-based information to inform their health decisions. There's been many social media campaigns and, and standalone initiatives, often supported by pharma, you know, in partnership with patient groups. And that, again, that's very reflective of that sort of European model of advocacy. Um, and, you know, they've been devoted to raising awareness. Those campaigns have been you know, devoted to raising awareness of, of haemophilia and addressing educational needs around components of, of self-management and new treatments. While I welcome these and, and have formally engaged with some pharma-sponsored health promotion campaigns myself, um, these, these only scratch the surface in their function and utility to empower and inform people living with haemophilia who may differ in their ability to learn and will respond, you know, to varying forms and delivery of content in diverse ways. And also many of these activities will more than likely be consumed by the same groups of engaged patients who are already cognizant of the value of knowledge acquisition. Mm. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Judith Hibbard's work around patient activation. And the evidence shows us that you know, less activated consumers tend to be more passive about their health. So we're talking about passive recipients of their care, whereas it is those higher activated consumers who respond to new health opportunities to engage with health issues. And I witnessed this with my own eyes, you know, in terms of seeing, you know, the same names and faces turning up to educational webinars, events, roundtables and conferences, etc., so I think pharma sponsors should be really mindful not to simultaneously risk further marginalising those who are not currently engaged or activated or in possession of high levels of health literacy with the projects that they facilitate, whether it's in partnership with patient groups, healthcare professionals or other stakeholders. So instead of reactive one-off activities that are very transactional in their nature and you know more than likely correspond with a specific product launch industry should be taking a long-term view in their commitment to and support of education as part of a unified community agenda or strategy that seeks to address patients knowledge gaps and priorities um, while reducing barriers to engagement, particularly for those socioeconomically disadvantaged and seldom heard cohorts. That shift from transactional one-off campaigns to ongoing education initiatives is such an important example to follow, and it really is great to get that insight from someone on the receiving end of these campaigns. 
Lawrence shared even more great insights on the patient advocacy space in the full episode of the podcast, so do be sure to follow the link in the show notes to listen to it. Also in that episode, we shared an interesting discussion with Dr. Aaron Grandy, Associate Director at Alira Health and co-founder at Precision Healthcare Consulting. We spoke to him about African access to medicine and health outcomes. It's an all-round great listen, so do check that one out. brings us to the end of this gold nugget do be sure to tune in next week where we'll be sharing extracts from our conversation with alia omer vice president and head of global portfolio and program strategy at kite pharma she has a fantastic basketball related story with an excellent message that i think we should all take note of make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out until then it's goodbye from me and i'll see you next week 